Good day, everyone. My name is D. Yvonne Rivers, and I'm your host for Birth Moms Real Talk, a platform where birth moms share their story and we talk about a hot topic. When I say hot, sometimes you just can't handle it like a, a hot mashed potato. But we are a platform we started in 2021. This is season two that I'm so happy to have Autumn on with me. We have birth moms from around the country. You're going to hear Autumn's story. She's going to tell it in her own words. Then we're going to cover a hot topic. So listen in. Thanks so much for joining me today, Autumn. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Thank you so much for having me and letting me be able to tell my story to everyone. Great, great. And you've got a story. <laughs> you've got a story. I think you've been on one of my um, our Facebook Live. And most times when you tell, start telling your story, people's mouths drop. I think it was yeah. on one. I said, shut your mouth, you know, close your mouth. <laughs> so, Autumn, won't you share with us? Yeah. Um, so, basically, like, are you wanting my story of where basically like my growing up or let's just start with your yeah with your youth and growing up and leading to the time when you became pregnant and became a mom okay yeah so basically for me i've always grown up in saint pete um florida uh lived in the same house for going on 25 years now um i had a very close-knit family holidays were very big for us being around family was very big um, I was always involved in school activities. I danced actually for 19 years. Wow. Uh, I've always been involved in activities within school, always staying busy. Um, so my childhood was pretty good growing up. I mean, I grew up with a single parent, but she has done so much for me to get to the point that I am now. I've had my grandparents with me on my mom's side. And they've helped me grow to where I am as well. So they've been a pretty good system for me growing up as uh, I was an only child for a long time. And then when I became 12, I was blessed with a little brother out of surprise. So that's okay. pretty awesome. Okay. Great. Great. So describe you. So single mom who raised you. So yeah. obviously strong woman. Strong woman. Very strong. Yeah. I say that. She was battling a lot. I mean, going back to school after she had me, working multiple jobs, trying to basically just provide for herself and myself, but also getting the help from our grandparents that she needed to be able to help us to survive living. Do you feel as if that gave you uh, a sign of resiliency and what we can do when we are called upon to do that? Oh, absolutely. Um, she's just seeing how she fights after fights and she'll stand up for things that she knows are right and stuff like that. So she definitely has opened my eyes and realizing like a lot of stuff we can do on our own. We don't always need um, someone to rely on like we can always bounce back on our own. Very good. Very good. So lead us into at what age you went to high school or that time of high school days. Yeah, so I actually, uh, because of when my birthday falls, I went into high school kind of early. I went through it pretty quickly. Uh, I did do four years of high school, but I went through it as if I was a year or two years prehand because within middle school, I took a bunch of um, high school classes. 
-hmm. So by my junior, senior year, I was just taking all my magnet program classes pretty much, and I was basically ready to graduate. I graduated at the age of 17. Um, I didn't turn 18 until a month after graduation, but I did go to high school for dance, and it was definitely a good thing that I went there because they've changed my life, the people I've met through there, the experiences I've gone through, and just them being able to help me with my passion and the love for arts. Okay. So after high school, so you uh, uh, graduated with dance. So moving forward after high school, what did you do after high school? Yeah, so after high school, I basically took a break from schooling just because going into the adult world, you never know what to expect. So I wanted to get into working for the first time. And I became a dance teacher, and I was a dance teacher for four years. Okay. After those four years, I then went into hospitality working. Um, working at a restaurant that's a big chain we have 52 restaurants over the whole country Mm -hmm. and basically I'm just growing through the restaurant from there even till this point I'm going to celebrate my three-year anniversary with that company at the end of January and they've just done so many opportunities for me growing and pushing me through different departments of the restaurant and it's a really good atmosphere there for sure very good very good yeah so you've been with the restaurant for three years so you have a son so when was he born and tell us about that circumstance yeah so like like miss yvonne said my story is pretty unique um working every day didn't notice anything um i went all pretty much my whole pregnancy without knowing. Um, I went to the hospital at one day because I had um, very severe pain in my pelvis and I was like, well, maybe I just have something that I tore or something because I was overworking my body or whatever. So I drove myself to the ER at like six o'clock in the morning. Um, They did some tests. They found out I was pregnant. They then did an ultrasound. They did not tell me anything, but then they transferred me what they did to upstairs, which was labor and delivery, and uh-huh. they told me that I was giving birth to a baby the same day I found out I was pregnant. Okay, okay, all right, <laughs> let's take all of this in, let's take all of this in. You drove yourself to the hospital six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. They took you in, and they found out you were pregnant, mm-hmm. and the next thing you know, within that same day, you're in labor and delivery, and you deliver a son. Yeah. Am I hearing this correctly? Yeah, 100%. I found out at 6 o'clock in the morning that I was pregnant, and by 8.44 p.m. that night, I had delivered a 8-pound, 4-ounce, 21-and-a-half-inch baby. Wow. Now, let's go back. When they told you you're pregnant and in in labor, what was your first reaction? My, I was just in complete shock because no one has the ability to prepare for some from finding something out like that within an hour or so. Um, there's so many things going through your head, like what through this whole time have I done that could have possibly harmed this baby? Or mm. what could I have done to probably find out something earlier or anything like that? Because... Like I said in the beginning, I had no idea. I went on working 40 to 50 hour weeks every day at work. I was lifting 40 pound boxes against my body 
Wow. Going upstairs and just working continuously. And like a 21, 22-year-old, when I would go out with family, I would drink with my dinner. So, mm. it, like, I'm not I'm not condoning it, but right, I mean, right. he came out extremely healthy. He was actually 41. I was actually 41 weeks pregnant when he was born. Wow. So he was overdue, but he is, he was so healthy, so strong, and just you could see in his face that he was going to grow up to be something amazing for sure. Oh, wow. Wow. So how did you process this from the time they told you that's early in the morning to the time you went into labor and delivered? Um, and first of all, I know it was the process of giving birth and that took time that you had to focus on that. But after he was born, what was the first thing you sort of said to him or said to yourself or started that processing period right so i for myself i knew because you can't prepare to be able to take care of another human let alone yourself within 24 hours Mm -hmm. i was still going through college getting my aa degree um i was working a lot i was still living at home with my family Um, my boyfriend and i were just i think we were at least a year in dating each other So we were still trying to figure things out, but for me to try to squeeze in another human when I'm still trying to figure out myself was a selfish thing. And for for me to try to have him have a life that I know he deserves, I knew I had to have the choice of adoption um, within the line of where I wanted to go for him. Um, I did tell the nurses and stuff once he's born, I prefer not to do skin to skin or breastfeed or anything like that just because I didn't mm-hmm. want that connection yeah. um, because I know it was going to be extremely hard once I had to walk away from that hospital realizing like you're not walking home with your baby that you just found out you have you know so, that point there Autumn you at that time were, were how old I was 22 I had just turned 22 in that July the fact that a 22 year old and, and listeners, I want you to pay attention to the timing. We are talking about uh, less than about 12 hours, 10 to 12 hours from the time of going in the hospital and finding out and then having a child. That If you're hearing Autumn talking, the processing that she was doing, the decisions she was making, all during that time, what's best for her child and the next steps to do. And I have... Uh, I say I applaud you, but I but I hold you up and I, I just deem you and give you grace for you deciding, I don't want to skin the skin. I don't want to breastfeed. Those were tough decisions that you ha- had to immediately yeah. make. Yeah, definitely. And I was thinking going into it because they have a social worker at the hospital that I went to um, that was basically helping me decide an agency to go with. Um, because obviously everything being so last minute, you don't prepare for things like that. I was expecting support from her and her helping me through um, these next few steps that I had to make, and she basically told my mom that I was crazy, that I had no emotions, but like, Mm. you can't necessarily have emotions within that short amount of time when you have to make such a life-changing decision so quickly because you have a brand new life that you have Mm -hmm. to decide for Mm -hmm. at that moment. And a part of you were probably still partly in shock, in shock and being numb with emotions. Yeah. 
So what was the first, who was the first phone call? So my first phone call necessarily wasn't made by me. Okay. Um, like I said, I drove myself to the ER six o'clock in the morning. Um, my mom was going to go to work at that time around six thirty seven o'clock. So she didn't realize until she didn't see my car in the driveway that I wasn't home. Uh, I kind she kind of figured I was going to the hospital because that night I was complaining about pain and I kept taking showers to try to soothe my pain or whatnot. So she actually ended up calling the hospital and the hospital transferred her to labor and delivery. And she was like, well, this is a joke. So then she would hang up. She called back. They transferred her again. I, I don't mean it's not that's not a laughing matter, but the fact no. I can just see that this acting out. Yeah. Oh yeah, they obviously gave me the wrong apartment. They yeah, obviously did. Exactly. <laughs> so she hangs up and calls back. Yeah, she kind of realized after the third time calling that she's like, mm, maybe something's up. So they kind of put her on hold once they transferred her the third time. Um, they were still transferring me actually upstairs um, because I was just getting moved from the ER to labor and delivery. And as I wasn't even in the room itself yet, I was still in the bed being transferred. And she's like, the nurse comes to me and she's like, I have your mom on the phone. What do you want me to tell her? I was like... I haven't even processed this myself, so wow. I don't know how I'm going to tell her. Wow. Um, wow. So I let them get me situated in the room for a little bit first. Um, the nurse told her, I guess, that I'll call her back in a minute. So I got situated in the room. They got me hooked up to IVs, whatnot, monitors, everything. And then I call her, and we're both just sobbing on the phone mm. because... She had just got this brand new job and she couldn't afford to take time off, but then she's also worried about her daughter. So mm -hmm. we didn't know where things were going. So her, she raced home basically, picked up my grandma. Then they both ended up coming to the hospital walk. And I just remember those first moments, them walking into the room mm -hmm. and me being hooked up to all this stuff with a baby monitor on my stomach. Mm. And I literally just bawled out in tears because I didn't know what to yeah. do. No one. Yeah. And our family has gone through the journey of having to place a baby for adoption. I do have one like family friend that has adopted into the family, but no one placing for adoption. So I didn't know what to do at that point. Right. And everything was just going through all three of our heads and mm -hmm. everything. And my mom was like, have you told your boyfriend? And I was like, I haven't even gotten a chance to pick up the phone yet. Like, wow. So that was my next call after my mom, because mm -hmm. I didn't technically call my mom. But the first call that I technically had to make was to my boyfriend, who was at least an hour and a half away um, from where I was. Mm -hmm. And that was an astounding phone call as well because he was in complete shock as much as I was because no one can prepare for finding out that type of stuff and then also finding out that you have to bring this baby into the world that same day that you find out. Yeah, yeah. So how, how was it the rest of the day? So at that time, you were just about to deliver at that time once your mom and grandma and you'd called your boyfriend, right? Yeah, so... The big thing around this is my son was born on the 23rd. Christmas is the next day of Dece um, in December. So Christmas Eve, Christmas, all was around literally the next two days. So my mom and grandma were doing all shopping because we're very Italian. So for Christmas Eve, we do this big feast 
and we have at least 25 people coming over so they're still preparing hmm. so i'm stuck in the hospital waiting for them to tell me that i'm dilated and ready to push this baby into the world they go run their errands and i think it was like two maybe two and a half hours that they had left and i called them back and i'm like hey they're telling me i'm ready to start pushing um so my mom basically they raced back to the <laughs> hospital and by the time they got there, I think they were there for 20 minutes before he was actually born. Wow. So it was very, it happened very quickly. They said I um, dilated pretty quickly. And I think I was only in labor for maybe 20, 30 minutes. And oh, wow. did like two pushes, two, three pushes, and he was pretty much out. Wow. And yeah. what was your first thing that went through your mind when, did you see him? Let me ask you that. So I didn't see him myself. I did ask my mom before I started pushing. I handed her my phone. I said, please take pictures of him. That mm. is, those are the words that I told him. I didn't want to actually hold or make that connection with him because I know how hard it is. Mm -hmm. um, once you, uh, not even necessarily a bond, just see the human being you've created and birthed into the world. Um, so I didn't necessarily see him myself until the next day um, after I had called the agency that I decided going with. They were super open, super amazing with all my emotions and everything. They showed up almost immediately to the hospital. And that's the moment when I asked the nurses if they could bring him into my room while I was with the agency. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time my eyes had seen him, not through a phone, but face to face. Right, right. Which was the same day that I got discharged from the hospital was the first and last time for a little bit that I would see his face, face to face, rather than through a phone. What was going on in your mind then, that first and last time? You know, I know about that. Yeah, it was definitely... No one prepares anyone for that. I mean, even if it's so last minute for me mm -hmm. um, with trying to scramble for my emotions, no one can prepare you for the fact that you have signed over these papers to have another family basically raise your child and take them into your family. I was discharged on Christmas Eve and I remember coming home and just standing in my driveway with a house full of people mm. just sobbing because I had just left the house, the hospital without my baby that I had right. just brought into the world less than 24 hours ago. Um, yes, yes. The, those emotions don't, they're undescribable. They're no, I honestly don't wish those emotions on any single person because they're mm -hmm. so saying you're losing a piece of you is an understatement like mm -hmm. it's completely just i don't even it i don't even know there are no words you, you said exactly that and and i use the word unfortunately only birth moms who've been through it truly understand yeah truly understand i i call it empty arms yeah, i call it empty arms time. because um the, and I, I call it empty arms because, you know, we all have the scenarios of how it looks when you're leaving the hospital. Yeah. 
you know, you're there with a lot of people and they've got balloons, you're just celebrating, everybody's happy and, and all of that. But just as you just described it, you left the hospital with empty arms and you were standing in your driveway alone, even though yeah. people in you were in your house celebrating and there's such a thing as being completely alone in the midst of crowds. Yeah, and to me, that's how I describe that. Yeah, absolutely. Because I was walking into a house full of people that we were celebrating Christmas Eve, getting ready to celebrate the next day, Christmas Day, which is the Christ being born and everything. And mm -hmm. I don't, I didn't know, I wasn't ready to share with my family what just happened. Right. I wasn't right. ready to share with the world or my co-workers what had what I had just gone through because mm -hmm. a bunch of people obviously I was going to be there when people show up but for them not seeing me my grandpa was just telling them oh she's sick in the hospital but she's fine and hmm. me trying to cover up in front of all these people going through the stuff that I had just gone through there's I couldn't I did not I don't think I did a good job covering up well well, I well let me, if I may stop mm -hmm. you how could you do a good job of all of what you were going yeah. through? Yeah, there's there was no way. I mean, no one necessarily suspected anything until I was a, until I was ready myself. Mm -hmm. I think I was ready like three or four months after he was born mm -hmm. to start sharing with my family and my coworkers mm -hmm. about what just happened. Right, um, right. But I was a complete mess because I was discharged from the hospital on Christmas Eve. He was discharged to the agency's what they called cradle care um, on Christmas Day. Mm -hmm. So him celebrating his very first Christmas with people that weren't related or yeah. anything to him yeah. pretty much. They were just there to take care of him until he went with his forever home. Yeah. And it yeah. was just so heart-wrenching to know, like, I couldn't even celebrate Christmas with him because he was... Cause that process was going through and I actually Christmas Eve the agency had sent me three profiles over for the families I had chose the family Christmas morning let my agency worker know who I had chosen and they found out on Christmas Day that I had chosen them wow for my son wow what a present yeah. what a present what a present you know and your your situation is very unique autumn for the fact of the short period of time that you really had of number one, knowing and giving birth. But the emotions of what you went through are the same that birth moms go through. And I always emphasize here in Birth Moms Real Talk, we talk real. These are, these are serious emotions. It's a lot of emotional pain. And it's hard, you know, and, you know, I'm real. And sometimes I I'm not like when I came back to you, when you're saying, how could you hide? We can't hide these emotions. Yeah. We can't. A lot of times we try for a number of years. A lot of women and moms have, but we need to feel them. We need to feel yeah. them. And I like the fact that you said that it was three or four months after you were ready to talk and share because everyone's process is different everyone's period of time or what they want to share when they're going to share that's up to them 
That is up to them. And you have to work through that in your own timing. So after you end up start sharing with your uh, family or your co-workers and so forth, how did you, and I don't, I don't use the word move on because adoption is lifelong. So we never, yeah. <laughs> we don't ever, we will never put it behind us, but how have you progressed? I will say that. Well, within the, my family and within my co-workers, as I started sharing, I realized that there are people there to support me, that there are people that haven't gone through the same thing but understand the hard decision that I had to go through and I had to make to better this other human being's livelihood and life that they're going to go through. Um, I had one coworker who was beyond supportive for me when I first came back. She brought me flowers in a card and just mm -hmm. hugged me for like five minutes, just mm -hmm. letting, letting me know that she was there for me, letting me know that if anything, that she... I could come to her for it. Um, I had two managers that big time helped me out a lot as well. Um, my mom was there for me. My boyfriend was there for me. Um, you do get your a couple people here and there every once in a while that'll be like, well, I don't know how you did it. I would never be able to do that. Well, no, you have to be strong to be able to do that. You have to be, you have to put yourself aside to be able to do that. Um, there's never a moment where you necessarily move on because right. like you said it is an ongoing thing mm -hmm. so just finding basically groups of women that have gone through and are still going through the same thing that I go through every mm -hmm. day has helped me tremendously going on retreats and opening up on Facebook groups and finding those people that can be able to communicate and be able to connect on a way that most people can't because we all go, us as birth moms, we go through the same feelings and same emotions on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Not even just if it's holidays. It could be a Abs random day. Absolutely. Think about, oh, well, what is he doing today? How is mm -hmm. he feeling today? Mm -hmm. what, what, what plans does he have for tomorrow? What's he eating? What is he like? Those type of things never slip your mind because you're always thinking about that type of stuff. Absolutely. The fact when you mentioned that your co-worker came to you and gave you a five-minute hug. Yeah. Most moms don't get a hug or anything. Forget the yeah. flowers, balloons, or whatever. And I speak for myself. The greatest thing that I wanted and I see that other birth moms would be good for them is if I just be there and hug me and just give me your love. Right. Because yeah. that's what... That's what was missing and is missing when birth moms leave, whether it's the hospital, whether once you made a decision, or whether once the final final decree or, or anything like that. It's like when these moments there is just to know I'm with you. I am with you emotionally and I'm here for you because they call it disenfranchised grief that the fact that uh, being a birth mother and placing a child for adoption it's a grief it definitely is a grief it's a trauma you've been through and your child also has been through the trauma and for the fact that most of the time and I use the word societal or society doesn't doesn't recognize it just because the society doesn't doesn't mean you still don't need it 
And that is one big thing and another issue or not issue, but an issue that uh, Birth Moms Real Talk is addressing is that we, we're, we're pulling the covers off of this and saying this openly and loudly <laughs> what is needed and what birth moms need and what the whole society needs to look at. Because a lot of times it's the silence or them not knowing what to say. If you don't know what to say, just give a hug. <laughs> Exactly. That that's yeah. it. If, he, if those of you out there who've never been uh, a birth mom or, or or even touched the adoption constellation, if you don't know what to say or do, just give a hug. Right, and even still, not even just for birth moms. A lot of the times when people look at or think about adoption, they always go to the adoptive parent side. They yes. always go to the family that's receiving that child, that's growing their family. They never open the light and shine the light mm -hmm. on the emotions and the grief and the damage and everything that a birth mom goes through mm -hmm. on a daily basis every mm -hmm. single day that they wake up and walk around the, right the issues that go through the head and emotions that you have to deal with just going through everyday life Absolutely. You know, when you address that, uh, we talk called it the triad, which is actually the adoptee, the child, the birth parents, and the adoptive parents. So those between that. But along with it is, it takes all of us. And I say that so many times. It takes nature and nurture. Because without all of us, it couldn't happen. As you just mentioned, for as an adoptive parents being happy of adopting, whether it's by choice or whether they could not uh, have been in fer infer fertility or whatever, it's the fact of the joy behind it. Well, the joy of you receiving, which means that someone lost. Yeah. That, that, that's just reality. And we understand that's how reality is, but we also need to understand to recognize and be able to see the other perspectives. And I welcome, you know, we have a live Facebook chat on Saturdays and I welcome and I think Autumn, you were on one of our um, broadcasts that we had adoptees, we had birth moms and adoptive parents because we've got to talk. We've got to yeah. talk. We can't just close our eyes and blind. Well, I got my child and I'm okay. And well, you kind of recognize what else is happening. And, and child number one, child number one, put that child first because what's relative to sharing with that child for them knowing, uh, yeah, you do have a, whether you call it first family, natural family, whatever word you want to use, that it takes nature and nurture. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I was actually, um, my friend, um, and I were invited um, to Gainesville this past weekend and to a class for couples that were looking into adopting and everything. And they invited us to, because we're both birth moms, mm. they wanted our perspective and our experience to share with these couples so that they can actually know and actually hear what we go through so that they don't give experiences that close off the child to knowing who that that first family or like you said the the birth family or anything like that they need to know those type of things so being invited to speak at that class definitely opened up for my friend and I because it a lot of them had no idea what birth moms and birth families mm -hmm. go through mm -hmm. they don't know the true the true emotions that we experience and uh, being in a lot of them even told uh, the lady that was holding the class that 
it had opened their eyes to the world of adoption, how much there's so much that's not discussed for them, and they just basically want to dive more into how to make it not necessarily an easier experience with an adoption, but to definitely include the birth family side of things and, and, and taking them in existence. Absolutely. You know, they talk about the baby scoop era back in the 60s when so much, so many things were done and a lot of things have gotten better with that. But the, the main thing, as you just mentioned, they were their their potential adoptive parents as you, where you went in Gainesville yeah. and they not knowing See, that's a travesty there because you yeah. got to open up and uncover and this whole secrets and why I understand why they don't know because it's not been said to them before. You yeah. cannot understand what you've not been <laughs> been exposed to. And yeah. you, you hear me say all the time, that's that's one of my platforms and mission is to uncover and for everybody to talk because otherwise most of the time it's done in closed circles if it's an adoption agency then you bring in the as you said you were looking through and you chose their parents so the adoption agency met with the parents adoption agency met with you each separately so not really knowing what each is going through whereas yeah. the whole true healing comes when everybody's not necessarily in the same room, but at least having the same conversation at some time to understand the other perspective. Exactly. And, and more, the more and more I see this, the more and more I see the healing. I see the healing. Just what you just said, Autumn, that they didn't know and they, they want to know more. Because yeah, that's what I have found. Nice. Yeah. More and more they know, the more and more they want to know. And so we, we, we need to keep talking. <laughs> this real talk we're going to keep real talking to people and not hiding things or saying you can't discuss this or what i laugh a lot of times when i hear people start to whisper it's like like if you whisper it's not so you know right. if you whisper it's like oh that's not right and that's not uh, uh true if you whisper it some of the stuff don't make any sense to me i'm, I'm sort of a simplistic <laughs> direct right. person but that's that's the whole thing about it. So how is it going uh, with your son? He's oh, how old now? So he just turned two in December on the twenty third. Um, you know, you know, he's a special guy because you know that's my is. birthday. He shares a birthday <laughs> with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's actually pretty cool because um, the family that I chose, the adoptive mom, her dad and my son share the same birthday as well. Oh wow! Uh, which is so cool and. Just being able, like, honestly, this, um, going into adoption blindsided or not knowing anything, I didn't know what to expect over the years. So the first couple months was a little, I wouldn't say rocky, but for me with emotions and everything and COVID was just becoming a thing um, that everything, you could, we couldn't have visits, We couldn't, but I received pictures so much and they would check on me and everything and they would tell me how he's doing with updates and stuff like that so I I believed that stuff was going in the right direction of where I would dream an open adoption would be and then as things start to slow down but still yet in 2022 things are picking up with COVID but they're so open and so they're they're the type of family that needs to be highlighted when people are looking into adoption Okay. When you are talking about an open adoption, the way they raise their children that they've adopted 
is beyond amazing. They include the birth parents. They include traditions that are from the birth parents that they want to raise through their children. They, they let their kids know my son is only two and he knows he's adopted Mm. their daughter who they also adopted. She's going to be four or five this year. Uh, this month and she knows where she comes from okay so they don't hide it they know that and just seeing how open they are and how they keep me and my boyfriend and my mom in the loop is beyond amazing and they definitely are like the perfect family that I thought I would find through adoption so what would be some things you would say to let's just say for you to say to adoptive parents obviously you've got a great some great um parents taking care of your son um both your sons because he's both of their both of yours um what you you pointed out some things about transparency letting them know including traditions from the family i call that heritage and legacy also with that what would you say to birth moms of things that would help them and making a choice of choosing parents if that's a choice because some that's open adoption some may not choose yet choose close adoption and then it's not really knowing where your child has been placed right well most of the time through adoptions if you have the ability to choose family i know for myself i was looking for a family that's just putting out who their true selves are being completely transparent and letting me see the raw person that they are how they live day-to-day life how they grow their family what issues they go through on a day-to-day basis just knowing who they are makes me feel comfortable and makes me Mm -hmm. feel honestly so good that i'm able to place this child that i brought into the world that's no longer going to be mine into their family and know that he's actually going to be okay. Um, Mm -hmm. Knowing that things, if they're rocky, that they'll get figured out and stuff like that. But honestly, communication, being completely open. Mm -hmm. um, If you're trying to look for a closed or semi-closed adoption, being open-minded to the feelings that a birth mom goes through and maybe changing that because... Even, I know for me, even a small picture of just seeing how goofy he is Hmm. brings my day up. (laughs) Yeah. Seeing a video of him being goofy or interacting with his sister or just saying hi helps me through a day that might be rough. Right, right. Um, The little things mean a lot. The little things, little things to others mean a whole lot. Yeah, Yeah, big time. I know uh, we get visits as often as they like, um. We never really set a number of visits that we have a year or anything, but they kind of do visits whenever they like. Like we'll do, I know last year we did a visit for my birthday. We did a visit for my boyfriend's birthday. We did a visit for um, my son's birthday. They FaceTimed my mom on her birthday last year. Um, They sent me pictures when my uncle passed away because we were feeling completely down and we know seeing his goofy little face helps us all the time so they sent us pictures so they're so open and so just aware of emotions that go through on a day-to-day basis and they even surprised me the other day and 
sent me some pictures of him just hanging out at daycare and oh, just wow. being himself. So wow. seeing what he goes through on a day-to-day basis um, and getting updates like that when you don't expect them to come and they just mm-hmm. happen to happen mm-hmm. are absolutely a breathtaking, amazing moment. Very good. Very good. Awesome, Autumn. Awesome. All of this will will help others and just share the different perspectives and for us to make the best choice that we can make at the time that we're in the situation. Now, we also cover a hot topic. We've talked to me. You've brought in some things and I'd like to maybe expand a little bit on that is what adoptive parents need to know. Now, we did a Facebook on that and then we covered what adoptive parents need to know what birth parents need to know because I and I'll allow you to go to really make a comment on either side what adoptive parents need to know and it sounds like that you've got a good situation there and what yeah. birth moms I, I'm always that one is I'm telling birth moms we need to do our work to grow and heal because this is life law and and how we progress is at different paces don't press yourself that I have to be, I shoulda, woulda. No, no, whatever it is. So what input would you have, Autumn, on input to birth moms or adoptive moms? Yeah, well, I mean, I can say a little bit on both. Just, um, I mean, for birth moms, just know that you're not alone. People go, oh, there's a bunch of birth moms out there. Um, once you open yourself up to find support groups and speak to people who maybe have been going through this longer than you have um like i know miss yvonne you've been going through it for what 40 something years right mm-hmm. Your son's in his 40s. absolutely so 48 able, yeah being able to talk to you um compared to me just going off my experiences from two years helps a lot um finding that big support ground will help you a lot it won't necessarily take away the emotions and feelings you feel on a daily basis but will absolutely help finding your support group and your support people that will just let you vent for the emotions you feel on one day and share the exciting news you have about something else definitely i know for myself being able to go to the retreat that we went to in november helped me a lot Mm -hmm. because i met amazing women that are so strong and have gone through some crazy stuff but are still holding on and knowing that there's hope out there and knowing that every day will be okay um that is one thing i can definitely say for birth moms um to be able to not get over what you go through but Mm -hmm. it will help you it's a big stepping stone for sure to be able to go through life um, knowing that type of stuff absolutely and i i bring in the adoptee because i i don't i don't i'm not saying that everyone forgets the child because we're dealing with our own emotions but that that's a big part of it is understand the same trauma that we went through our children went through and they were pre-verbal. They couldn't yeah. say this hurts or I miss you or whatever. The signs will talk about it. Science, and I've got, a, I call myself a recovering scientist, just knowing <laughs> the things that typically a, a, a children place for adoption will just cry. That's a sign calling out. They don't know why. They can't really explain that. 
as well as a lot of times are our children and how they react, how they grow up, how they do with relationships. It touches on if there is a reunion, if it's been a close. I've seen that in so many in in the different rooms I've been with over the years. It's like some some uh, children are, are ready for a reunion, some not. They don't know why, what's the steps, and it's not all the same steps for everybody. So you've got to be flexible to that to understand our children children went through trauma we went through trauma the adopted parents have been through some trauma because of the situation or their choices and understanding that I'm bringing another human being in here I need to understand we don't have the same heritage but we still can get along with knowing what to say and do yeah 100% and I know um, speaking towards birth um, sorry adoptive moms taking that trauma that the children might have gone through or are still going through and when people say open adoption I feel like sometimes adoptive parents get scared that mm. the child's going to become confused or that we're going to try to take our child away no we're never going to try to take mm -hmm. our children from right. you guys we have entrusted you right. in raising them in helping them build their story we're just a part of their story. You're a That's part of their it. story. That's we it. We never want any, because I always hate the term when people say, oh, you gave up your child for adoption. Mm. I didn't give that. It's a right. choice, right. but I didn't just give him up willingly. Right. Um, I placed him because I that's knew that's it. what I had to do. And yeah. for adoptive parents, when going through what your children are going through, just know, like, having an open adoption is not going to make your child confused right be completely honest and open from the get-go let no let them know that they are adopted let them know mm -hmm. where they come from mm -hmm. because it will help them tell their story for years and years and will help them for you guys as well when when your kids are growing up and you have questions you have that person to go and ask and they're not scared to ask because you guys have that open relationship. Right, you right. Just going to be able to have those relationships on the birth parent and on the adoptive parent side for a child will help them tremendously growing up through life. Um, and just by experience, when I've, when I've talked to someone who's adopted and their, their first thing, if they were in a closed adoption, is like, they always wonder what happened to their birth mom or their mm -hmm. birth father. Mm -hmm. They always wonder what they're like or what they're doing. Yes. Just like you wonder what they do on a daily basis. Yes. So yes. being open and having that connection and that relationship yes. on both sides. Both sides. That child 100% through life. Both sides. That's it. Nature and yeah. nature and nurture. Nature yeah. and nurture. They go together. Thank you Thank so you. much, Autumn. This has been so always uplifting. I just see the shine and sunshine in your face whenever I see you and whenever I talk to you. And just love you for coming on today. No, You're impacting I, lives. This whole podcast so is impacting lives. And it's not me. It's the stories. It's the whole thing of the platform. It's giving people a chance to share their stories and to listen in. I've had some um, listeners write me and said they listen to the podcast. They take notes and they take the notes to their therapist to work through what issues. That's amazing. That is truly amazing. 
So I just thank you again for that. You've been listening to Birth Moms Real Talk. I'm your host, Yvonne Rivers. It's such a joy and pleasure to have Autumn with us today. And stay tuned for the next episode, season two.